What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. It is myself, Nick, and I am joined by Greg today, as always. We have a little bit of a loaded slate here. We'll try to work through it uh, for you guys. We're going to talk about pretty much everything from the Ohio State men's basketball um, to soccer, football, a little bit of baseball. So there's a little bit of stuff going on throughout the summer. Obviously, we've got stuff in the off seasons. Baseball is in the middle of its season. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. But uh, we'll go ahead and start with like a little bit more of a maybe a too early topic uh, for right now. Maybe this would be a little bit better for once we get closer to basketball season. But um, I think uh, we were just discussing before this that Holtman kind of signed an extension, a three-year extension uh, this year. So with the, I'm not, I don't want to say lack of success, but that kind of feels like the right word of last season and maybe the season before. Um, Greg, what do you think Holtman needs to do this upcoming season um, in order maybe to lessen the heat of his seat um, and win the trust of the the fan base back? Well, I mean, I think signing that extension kind of lessens the heat on his seat, if that makes any sense. Um, Ohio State wouldn't be wanting to sign him to an extension if they were actively considering getting rid of him. And I mean, obviously that can happen, you know, over the next couple of years, if, if something happens, um, you know, and, you know, I got to give Holtman some credit for how the end of the season went. I mean, he was able to keep his team together and keep them um, from listening to all that outside noise. And they played hard until the end. Um, you know, obviously he went through probably the toughest year of his professional life, but he kept that team playing hard. Um, so as long as I think they, they don't go under 500 and they, they make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think that that will be, you know, keeping his job. Um, their defense in the last couple of years has definitely been trending, uh, you know, kind of in, like trending in a bad way. So I think that they, if they get back to a defensive first mindset instead of an offensive first mindset, obviously the offense needs to stay, you know, uh, firing on uh, cylinders, but I think that they've done good offensively the last couple of years. It's just the defensive side. So, uh, you know, defensive first mindset. And I think that um, Holtman could be doing good. Obviously, I mean, what he, he's only missed the NCAA tournament one year and that was the COVID year. So that's, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of viewed the extension as maybe that like, you know, maybe there's not anyone else better right now. Um, to sign, I, I think we've had this conversation in the past about him. Like, I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think what he's been able to do with what I guess Ohio State's been able to attract player wise um, has been pretty phenomenal. He's made the, you know, the tournament, I think, almost every single year that he's coached Ohio State. So I don't think he's done an awful job. I just think that the, I guess the standard, you know, for Ohio State as a school when it comes to athletics should be competing um, at a high level every single year. So he, he needs to start, I think, recruiting higher, a little bit higher valued talent. Um, obviously, basketball is a little bit different and it's a little bit harder because there's probably not as many great talented players. Um, but it'll be interesting to see this season what what kind of transpires. And um, obviously, like you said, I think they need to get back to that like grit and grind kind of play where it's a little bit slower pace, a little bit more defense. Um, and then maybe lean on a couple guys who are going to be your main scorers and stuff like that. And, and I think what's kind of hurt them is they've had a lot of young guys. So maybe, maybe trying to get a little bit more experience. Um, I think they try to do that through the transfer 
period every single year, but those guys just haven't panned out. So maybe this year will be a little bit different. So, yeah. um, but let. I definitely think that the the brawny thing, in all honesty, and I kind of stick by my statement that it's a good thing that that he didn't come to Ohio State. But I think that him brawny having Ohio State on his radar could potentially benefit Ohio State in a great deal because that allows other you know top chip uh, recruits to be like, well, brawny was considering Ohio State, so mm-hmm. there must be definitely something good going on there, even though if it was in relation with uh, you know Ohio, Ohio and his his dad and stuff like that. But I think that 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 brawny thing will help. Ohio State's recruiting chances. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, I guess if maybe Bryce does the same thing where he's like, maybe I'll go to Ohio State, maybe I won't, you know what I mean? That might add some more notor- notoriety to the to the program as well, too. Maybe some more eyes will be drawn to it. Um, maybe a couple guys will will think about going there, maybe to try to entice, you know, somebody to come there with them. I don't know. Um, obviously, we're not a blue blood, blue blood like basketball program. Football is the main thing that kind of <laughs> comes out of Ohio State, but I think there was a point when we were getting some pretty big name people to come to Ohio State and play basketball. It wasn't that long ago. So, I mean, not that long ago, the early 2000s. But um, I, I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting to kind of see what, what he can do. And they gave him, you know, a couple more years to to figure it out. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, let us know what you guys think at home. Do you think Holtman deserves to stay around? Do you think maybe there needs to be a new direction made? Do you think – you know, give them another year, see what see what pans out. Um, but yeah, let us know. Uh, the other quick topic I had uh, to start off the episode was I don't know, Greg, if you got a chance to look at the new fan voted dog logo <laughs> from the Cleveland Browns. Um, I saw like a funny joke about you know why do you have to change your logos every two or three years? I I don't know, but I guess what do you think about it? Do you think it's cool? Do you think maybe this one will stick? What's your opinion on it? Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm I'm not a a diehard Browns fan. So uh, when at first glance at the logo, I was not overly like impressed. It was a it's a good logo. It's actually better than some of their previous logos. That I uh, like the a little bit more aggressive style, if that makes any sense. Um, the cartoony type stuff kind of just le- left me a little bit, um, you know jokish if that makes any sense uh, i just didn't I, I didn't necessarily care for it and again at f- first glance of the uh logo i was I was like oh okay it's a logo you know whatever but then as actually i started to read into all the the little things that uh, go into it and all the little hidden messages so they've got the outline of the state of ohio they've got a football in there they've got the east end zone where the dog pound is located they've got a guitar pick to pay homage to the rock and roll hall of fame they got spikes for that aggressive no-nonsense attitude which is kind of what i was talking about before uh they've got cleveland's hope memorial bridge in there uh an original pound helmet and the famous helmet strike so actually looking into that you know a little bit more than viewing the image with that uh definitely definitely does a little bit more justice to it and i actually like how that's incorporated i, I don't think a lot of other teams necessarily have that particular style um, of adding all these little hidden things into it. And, and to kind of comment on what you said, why do they change every two or three years? I think that's a good thing. And, and the fact that this is a fan-based uh, logo, it really does a, a great job of, of incorporating the fan base and letting the fans have somewhat of a 
ownership, even if it's not like financial, but an ownership in what the team is doing and, and how the team is presented to the uh, rest of the population. So uh, again, nothing at first, but then when I looked into it, I was uh, duly impressed. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's a very, it's a very interesting logo. And like you stated, there's a lot of, I guess, I don't know if sentimental value or there's just a lot of things that represent Ohio well in there, I think. So um, I think that's just a, it's, it's a cool little logo and I don't think that's going to be their main logo, but definitely something, something interesting for them to incorporate within merchandise and team branding, you know, throughout however long they keep it. And yeah, I, I think, I think there is something to be said about maybe keeping it fresh, but I also think, if you can have something that can be the standard for a long time that you don't feel like you have to move off of it, I think that's also, you know, I think that might be better because we've seen, I mean, especially within the NFL, I mean, you look at teams that really haven't probably ever changed their logo. I don't know how many there actually are because I feel like the Patriots come to mind, but I feel like they've had a couple different iterations. Um, I don't think the Steelers have ever changed their logo. Green Bay. Green Bay, Chicago, San Francisco, yeah, maybe. Those are also pretty basic logos as well. I mean, yeah, with the, yeah Patriots have definitely changed the color scheme and some of the sharpness of it. Yeah. Look at the Buccaneers have definitely changed things up. Well, the Patriots um, used to have like the little, like a, an actual person or like a. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think maybe the Steelers are just really the only. That's kind of bugging me. I can't think of anything. I don't know. So I definitely, I don't know. Like I said, I think, I think if you can find something that works that you don't have to change from that's that, you know, people buy into that brand year in and year out. I think that has something to say too, but at the same time we live in kind of a very instant gratification kind of society now. So maybe changing something every three, four or five years, that might be the new model that we start seeing, um, you know, teams kind of buy into. We see them, you know, teams always change their jerseys around, maybe tweak a color, make it a little bit darker, a little bit lighter every once in a while. So um, just to add something new, something different. But I mean, iconic can borderline on, you know, the tiptoe around boring to a, to a degree. You know, you look at that Green Bay logo and the, the, um, Pittsburgh logo. I mean, if something's stagnant in that way for a long time, it's like you don't really can't. And I'm guess I'm looking at this from a maybe a financial aspect and merchandise aspect and stuff like that. You know, you, you change the logo every couple of years, you can resell all the jerseys and all the uniforms and stuff like that, and T-shirts and hats and you know what I mean. You rebrand yourself. You know, I I, I don't necessarily see that as a as a you know, bad thing for the team. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think, like I said, I think there's two ways to go about doing it. I think if you can continue to plop out, you know, good, whether that's logos, uniforms, color schemes throughout the years, and you could be successful by changing that. I think that that's, that's definitely something to look at doing. But I think at the same time, like I said, I don't think, I think if you can keep something consistent and people will continue to go back and buy that every single year in and year out, and you can continue to stay profitable. I don't know. I think that's, that's just, to me, that seems like it'd be a little bit, a little bit better. Um, I guess in those regards, I don't know, <laughs> but definitely interesting. Let us know what you guys think about that new logo. I know maybe Cleveland fans will be a little bit more excited about it than maybe Greg and I who aren't necessarily <laughs> Cleveland Browns fans, but it, like I said, it has, it has lots of meaning behind it. I think, you know, 
obviously first reactions be like, oh, why did this happen? I think like the the new Guardians logo was like, oh, people were like, that looks dumb. But then you kind of dive into the meaning behind it and everything. And you're like, okay, I get why you did some of the things that you did. And it, it makes it a little bit more meaningful, which makes people kind of grow more fond of it. So I think that, you know, that I think that's a, that's a draw that you can have when you're trying to create something new for people to buy into. So yeah, let us know what you guys think about it. Uh, let's move in to baseball. Obviously, like I said, we're maybe like what Greg, like a third through the season, just yeah, about. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think like thirty five percent, forty percent through the season, because okay. we're getting close to to All Star break, and that's the you know midpoint in a lot of people's eyes of 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 the baseball season. So we're we're definitely closer to that. So yeah, let's give me like thirty seven to forty three percent through. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's do this. So with basically, like you said, being like maybe like we'll say 40% of the way through the season here, um, both our teams here in Ohio, the Reds and the Guardians, they're both around 50, or 50 500 per, uh, for the season. Um, I think they both pretty much almost have the same record. The Guardians are second in their division. I think the Reds are third in their division. Um, just kind of with, I've been kind of trying to keep track of like, the both teams throughout this season. And, and it seems like a lot of, they have a lot of young guys, like guardians had a lot of young guys last year, but the reds are starting to kind of put more young guys out there, pulling some guys up. Um, and I've kind of seen, you know, some highlights from these guys making some big plays, uh, having good games, you know, do yada, yada, yada. But I guess in your mind as kind of our baseball expert of these two teams and the prospects that they have kind of going forward, who do you think has the better stretch for the next five seasons? Cause obviously we've seen these two franchises. I don't think they have any longer than a six year stretch where they're competitive um, just because of, you know, the money that's being, that's willing to being spent. Um, but who do you think has a better five year stretch over the next five years? I don't think you're going to like this answer, but I honestly think both of them, both of them. Oh, okay. Both of them. Uh, you know, you, you got to look at the, they are, you know, Cleveland and, and Cincinnati are in the top four of uh, prospect uh, rankings. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and and that speaks a lot. Cincinnati's moved up a little bit. Um, you know, I think at the end of last season and then the trade deadline uh, last season, the Reds definitely. I think they've jumped up from like nine to four in mm-hmm. their prospect rankings. Um, so uh, I'm not sure exactly how to, to, to tackle this. So I'm just going to start with the Reds. Um, they're ranked fourth in uh, prospects. Um, and what I like about the Reds is that they have, and this will make Jeff really happy. Uh, he's our, you know, on, on, on deck and he's a diehard Reds fan. So if he listens to this, he'll be happy. But um, positive about the Reds is that they've got a, a whole bunch of prospects coming up the pipe um, and they've got a lot of veteran presence on the team. Uh, as well, which kind of Cleveland doesn't. It's a lot of young guys on the team with a minimum amount of veteran preference uh, presence. I'm sorry. So uh, Cincinnati's uh, top 10 prospects and uh, number one, I'm actually going to, he's 
called up two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, but uh, Ella De La Cruz, uh, if you don't know who this guy is, this guy is a friggin' beast. This guy had a lot of pomp and circumstance coming up um, before, you know, he, his debut that day and uh, his first two games, uh, you know, he, he just hit lights out, uh, hit a home run uh, in his second at bat in his second game. Um, just an all around phenomenal guy, phenomenal talent. Uh, I think that this guy definitely uh, takes Cincinnati to a, a different level with uh, his ability to get on base and just, uh, I don't know, his his excitement and his youthful exuberance, if that makes any sense. Um, but you've got Marte, you've got uh, Kim mm-hmm. Collier, Edwin Arroyo, uh, Andrew Abbott, Matt McLean, and uh, Christian and Corsion Strand. Those are just the tier one guys. You've got a couple more tier two and tier three guys. Um, definitely on the rise, I think, is uh, somebody, a name you'll see a lot coming up is Andrew Abbott. Uh, he's exceeded expectations. Uh, 23-year-old, uh, 2.66 ERA with a uh, .96 whip. Uh, so I, I think that Cincinnati, they're playing good. They're beating good teams right now. Uh, whereas Cleveland necessarily is not uh, kind of they're playing around their uh, expected potential. Whereas I think Cincinnati is surprising a few people in, in comparative to last year. I mean, we were making fun of Cincinnati the way we're making fun of, of the A's this year. We were making fun of Cincinnati last year with how many wins are they going to actually get throughout the season. And, and they are, you know, exceeding expectations a lot for that. Um, so moving on to Cleveland Guardians, uh, they have the third best prospect group um, out of all of Major League Baseball. Uh, they got a lot of Tier 1 guys as well. I think about the equal amount of Tier 1 guys in their top seven. Uh, Gavin Williams, Daniel Espino, uh, Bo Naylor, Logan Allen, Tanner Beebe, uh, George Varela, and Brian Rocchio. Um, so, you know, Gavin Williams has been virtually unhittable since, um, you know, the 2021 draft. It's allowed 90 hits over 155 innings uh, while piling up 210 strikeouts. So uh, that's got, you know, and then when it comes to kind of guys on the rise, Parker Messick, uh, he's probably the next success story when it comes out. He's doing a 2.25 ERA, 1.03 whip, and has a 35 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio. And that's just in single A. So uh, I definitely think that that he is uh, a guy that you can watch. So I think, like you said, over the next five years, I think both teams have the potential to really be better than what's expected um, if they keep that prospects and, you know, they don't necessarily trade off too much to get bigger, better talent, or if they foster all this, this, talent that they have um, over the next couple of years, they said by five years, if you really want a, uh, an answer to which team I, I'm going to lean actually towards Cincinnati a little bit more. I think that they're a little bit more explosive um, and they're able to you know, get on base a little bit more. Their pitching's a little bit better. So, uh, but you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, I, it definitely is like, I'll give it to the Guardians, and obviously I haven't really seen – I didn't really watch much of the Reds but in, in the past, um, but I, I don't know what their, I guess, farm system has been in the past what it, to compared to what it is recently. But I will give it to both teams that 
they've put together a good prospect list that if a lot of these guys can hit for them, um, that they can be competitive, you know, uh, both of them for the next five years. I guess then my other question would be, do you think that we could get an Ohio World Series in the next five or six years? Or do you think that it's more likely that just one of them will make it to the World Series over the next four or five years? I mean, five or six again, years. again, you'll don't you won't like the answer, but I don't think any of them necessarily have World Series caliber potential as of right now. Okay, um, I said if they keep those prospects, at least enough of them around, and you know possibly move some bigger bats, to, uh, you know, through trade and and stuff like that. Um, you know, maybe in the next ten years or so, but uh, you know, nothing right now. I just don't see that that happening right now i like i said when it comes to potential uh for playing good baseball like i said cincinnati has the lean on that one um just because uh even though cleveland's done well especially going into the playoffs last year uh i just don't see and you know again it might come down to culture and it might come down to coaching and stuff like that but i just don't see a lot of explosiveness and a lot of um excitedness uh, when it comes to Cleveland, um, it doesn't seem like every, anybody's really happy to play. Whereas I look at Cincinnati's team and it seems like you could just see it in the dugout. You can just see it on the field. They just seem a little bit more excited, a little bit more aggressive and happy. So uh, could be talking out my butt, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. But it's just just what I notice when I watch the games. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like for that city to have, you know, we'll talk about Cincinnati FC coming up but obviously you know with the Bengals being successful with joe burrow um to have three fran their three franchises in that city be competitive year in and year out i think that would do a lot for you know free agent attractiveness um that would do a lot for the city economics i think it would just help help a lot of things out within that city and, and help it grow kind of what like lebron did with cleveland because while he was there there was a big stretch where the guardians were really good and very attractive for free agents um, as well so I just think that and then the Browns obviously with all their draft picks and they made it to the playoffs or whatever and kind of won a playoff game so I think that it, it has that effect and and maybe you know Joe Burrow can be that guy because obviously like like we'll talk about Cincinnati FC here soon but maybe the Reds can can kind of use his star power to attract some free agents um, in the future but um, moving on to the Reds specifically here I don't know if you saw this um headline i think is maybe like two or three days ago um but maybe it was like an interview being done with the artist chapman but he had kind of stated that a reds reunion would be awesome and i just kind of want to know if you think this is even really a possibility uh for them to get a chapman i mean anything's a possibility and uh reds gm nick crawl has flirted the idea um mm-hmm. he's he's definitely not said he's not opposed to it um it's just a matter of uh, what price he's going to have to pay to get him. Um, you know, I think his exact words were, <clears throat> I think his exact words were that we just need to figure out where we are um, and how we're playing and how our guys are doing. Uh, but I will not rule anything out at this point. And obviously, Aroldis is going to be on a lot of people's radar. He's rediscovered his velocity. He's got a 2.82 ERA. Uh, he's 15.3 strikeout per nine, and that's through, I think, last Sunday. Um, he's been dominant on the left side, so he's he'd be an ideal fit for anybody's bullpen. 
uh, when it comes down to those that Cincinnati's got uh, presumptively the all-star uh, Alexis Diaz. Um, so he's converted 20 consecutive save chances uh, dating back to last season's rookie year. So they've got a dominant closer. Um, so having a double dominant tandem while be would be nice. It's uh, they don't necessarily have a hole they need to fill with that aspect. Uh, so I will probably say it won't happen, but the possibilities are there. And like I said, crawl has, has at least flirted the idea because, you know, if you, if you flirt with the idea, then it brings more press and brings more all that. And so it makes, it makes people pay attention to you. So, you know, no, all good press or bad press is good press. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Like you said, I think they're kind of focused on, on the youth movement there, but if they kind of come into a position where maybe near the trade deadline this year, they're maybe looking to make a push for the playoffs this year. And maybe they have some injuries. Maybe he's a guy they go out and kind of get a couple year rental on, but I don't know. I'll have to kind of see. And I, I might've read this wrong, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but at the way Aroldis Chapman said a sentence, he goes, I would like to play my last two years with the team that drafted me or with the, with the team I started with. And so it was like, did Aroldis Chapman just say he's only got two years left to play? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I might have misquoted that, but when I read that, I read that a couple of times. It was like, it kind of seems like he's saying he's going to be done after the next two years. So, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean – I don't know. I think, I think too, like as an athlete, you want to push on until you can't go anymore. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize that they would rather go out on their own terms than be forced out. You know what I mean? I think like you kind of see like a guy like Luke Keekley from the NFL who only played like eight or nine seasons, but he saw himself slowing down. And instead of, you know, getting benched for a rookie or getting cut and bouncing around the league for a couple of years, he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be done and walk away. So I don't know. Maybe that's his thought process. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, like I said, it, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, he ends up on the Reds or like you said, maybe he really only feels like he only has a couple years left in him. And, you know, he had that, you know, he's been battling through some tough times. And like you said, he's kind of refound himself. But I don't know. We'll, we'll have to keep tabs on that. That'll be an interesting, you know, addition for them, like you said. But the youth movement there, I don't know if he's really the best fit at this point, other than maybe just like a, hey, we'll sign him for a season just to have him. So I don't know. Um, the last thing I had for baseball uh, had to deal with the Guardians. And I just saw this, you know, headline while I was kind of looking through different news articles. And it was just, you know, questioning whether or not, you know, I guess the fans or the front office or the players of the Cleveland Guardians um, should be worried that, you know, they're not turning out very good in the all-star voting. Um, you have Josh Naylor, who only ranks 10th among first basemen. Um, I'll probably butcher the rest of these names, but Andres Jimenez, I'm, I think I said that right, ranks y- Jimenez. Jimenez, okay. Ranks 10th among second baseman, second baseman, and then Jose Ramirez ranks 9th am- amongst third basemen. So, um, I mean, they're in the top 10 for voting, but I guess – where what do you view this as, Greg? Is this like a bad thing, good thing? Should people be worried? I, mean, I guess it worried, would be a good thing. <laughs> worried's not. I mean, 
they're not playing good baseball. They're not playing all-star caliber baseball. So why should they be selected to an all-star game? Maybe one or two of those guys will, will get a coach's nod, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just so that, uh, you know, they can, they can at least garner one player from, you know, one team each or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. that tends to happen. Actually, this is something I, I, I would like to look is if in an all-star game, do all teams have to be res- represented on on the particular All Star team, or are there times where teams get um, completely shut out of an All Star game? It just it, whether it be relievers, whether it be starting pitchers, I would just uh, it's something that I would like to look up um, that I'm not sure. And if you guys out there know that information, but um, it, 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 they're not playing All Star baseball, so why should they deserve to be invited to the All Star? you know, all-star game. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say then that to me, that kind of would be a little worrisome. I think those are probably what their three, three of their best players on their roster as of this point. So you would hope that, that those would be the guys that would be playing at that kind of a level so that you could be a productive team. Um, so to me, that's kind of a little bit worrisome if I'm, if I'm a guardians fan, you know, obviously, like I said, they're second in their division. I think they were only like a game and a half or two games back from the Twins last time I looked. So it's not like they're awful as a collective team. They just don't have um, any standouts as of this point. So be something to watch. I mean, obviously, like you said, it's, it's coming up. So them being 10th and 9th, I don't know if they could really make up <laughs> the ground. To... Yeah, there'd have to be a lot of crowd uh, sourcing that that those votes to get to get that to happen. Yeah, they'd have to like Andrew Wiggins themselves into being a an all star starter. Just uh, reach out to BTS and have all of their fans vote for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's a goofy thing. But I, to your point of like, does each team have to? I don't know because when you look at all the other professional sports leagues in America, I don't think that it's a requirement for every team to have representation in the all star festivities. I just think that I think even like when it was in Cleveland for the NBA, what, two or three years ago, the only reason that they had um, three guys in there was because it was just the home city. And then I think when they do those skills challenge, the home team gets a team in the skills challenge or whatever. That was the only reason that those guys were in there. None of them were voted into the all-star game or something like that. So um, I think that that's, like I said, I don't know. It'd be interesting, like you said, to kind of look up and see if, if baseball is a little bit different in those regards. So, all right, guys. Well, let us know at home how you feel the uh, Guardians and Reds are doing. Who do you think has more success over the five years? And how interested would you be in an Ohio World Series? <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh, but I don't know if we'll really ever get to see it. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, that, that's got to be like $10 billion to one odds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, if you, I feel like if you put a dollar on it and that happened, you could, you can make a decent amount of money. <laughs> oh, you retire, retire with that money. <laughs> we could just do the podcast full time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Definitely interesting. So be cool. Like I said, I've always, I've always wanted like a, an Ohio State Cincinnati football national championship game. You know, Cincinnati Reds Guardians championship. I know we'll never get a Browns Bengals Super Bowl, but maybe a, a meaningful Browns Bengals playoff game would be interesting. I don't know. Just the Battle of Ohio is is uh, just something I don't think we've really ever got to see that much compared to other states who have professional franchises. So 
I don't know. Uh, let's move on to the only hockey team for now in Ohio in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, tough season last year. Not only did they lose a lot, they didn't even lose enough <laughs> to get the top pick. So, But they have made some aggressive moves uh, so far. I know that the finals just ended yesterday. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Knights. Great to see an expansion team win a championship twice out of their first, like, six or eight seasons i think i think it was six i don't know it's six yeah so that's great <laughs> but wish uh wish the rules for uh for how just you took any player you wanted in the nhl was around when uh, the blue jackets expanded but that's besides the point anyway so the blue jackets have made two official moves right now and then one that's not official yet uh, they kind of aggressively made moves for two new defenders, and then they have reportedly found their next head coach. So the first move they made, I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this man's name, <laughs> was uh, I think it's going to say Ivan Provorov, Provorov maybe. Uh, they traded the sec- 22nd overall pick in this year's draft for him. Uh, reports say that he's just going to be a really good second-line guy for this team. He would have been a first-line guy, but they went out and signed the best defensive free agent within this free agency in uh, Damon Severson. Um, And they signed him to an eight year, $50 million deal, which I think goes out to about 6.25 million annually. Um, And he pretty much has a no trade clause for like the first four years. And then the last four years of it, it's like he has a no trade clause for 12 of the teams in the league or something like that, which is just a, I I don't, I guess he was just like, yeah, you're not trading me to these teams. Uh, So definitely an interesting Thing So they, they added defensive help, which is something that this team lacked so much last year. And then the unofficial uh, news is for the head coach is Mike Babcock. Uh, if you don't know who Mike Babcock is, he's a he's 60 years old. He has not coached in the NHL since the 2018-2019 season, uh, where he only coached 23 games for the Maple Leafs. We'll kind of come back to why here in a minute. Um, he last spent times with he also spent times as the Ducks and Red Wings uh, head coach as well with the Red Wings. He won a Stanley Cup in 2008 and then back with the Maple Leafs. Like I said before, he was with the Maple Leafs for like 20 from 2015 to 2019. Um, he made it to the playoffs three consecutive seasons, uh, but he never made it out of the first round. That season that he only coached for 23 games in 2019, he was let go from the team after facing multiple accusations of mistreating players. Former Red Wings star John Fran- Franzen, again, sorry for mispron- mispronouncing people's names, um, accused Babcock, Bag- Babcock, cannot talk right now, of being verbally abusive. And then Hall of Fame defenseman Chris Chelios uh, supported his claims as well. So, kind of feels like another um i cannot remember his name but the coach that we had to the the, not the last coach but the coach before it's gonna bug me in my head um but it kind of seems like we're repeating the cycle here with a more like old school style hard nose verbally abusive coach in that sense if 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 he ends up do getting a sign there was lots of backlash um from the reporting of that so out of all three of those things, Greg, break it down. What do you think about all of these moves? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it, it, the the pick up some defensemen. Yeah, he was the, the you know uh, the number one defensive you know free agent, but he's not 
he's not like a lights out all-star type of guy. I don't even know who the other guy was. Um, so I'd have to look that name up and, and Babcock was good was being the, you know, he's made it to the finals three times. Like you said, he actually won an Olympic gold. He's won a world title with Canada in 2004 and won uh, the Stanley cup in 2008 with the Red Wings. But that that's, you know, that's 15 years ago. That's, you know, I just, uh, we talked about changing the culture and, and and we've talked about this uh, hundreds of times. It's been the the ongoing topic for, for the blue jackets that there needs to be a culture change in Columbus when it comes to trying to garner good talent and good coaching and stuff like that. And and I don't think anybody wants to play for Columbus and we're not going to, we're not going to get top nose talent if, if, if this, this culture doesn't change. And I, I'm, I'm calling out Blue Jackets fans too, that, you know, we talked about it last year, they booed their own team. And it's just, um, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not excited about it. I don't think that's going to do any change. And, um, you know, Babcock is an older guy that um, doesn't get along with his players. So his players aren't going to be motivated, um, you know, and generally speaking, he focuses on skills and puck position over physical play and toughness. So it, it just seems counter counterproductive to, um, you know, obviously time of possession in hockey is, is a major thing because time of possession, you know, leads to points and goals. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to be tough and you got to, you got to play hard. And I just don't see, that happening with the Blue Jackets for a very long time. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's all I got for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And the, the name of that coach I was thinking of was John um, Tortorella. Forgot his name. Oh, Tor- My oh, bad, Tor- yeah. Sorry. Yes. Torts. Sorry. Um, just too much knowledge going up in here, guys. <laughs> too many things to remember. But yes, with Torts, like, I feel like he was a very similar coach to what Babcock is, is going to be. And, they moved away from that and went to Brad Larson because they wanted more of like a player friendly coach, a more offensive focused coach. And I know Brad Larson's tenure wasn't great, but I don't know if he was really given the best opportunity (laughs) to be great with the guys that he had on that roster. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they do actually make this signing. I think, like I said, there was a lot of backlash when people heard that this was going to be the guy. Um, a lot of backlash. So I'm hoping that they listen to the fans and they kind of move in a different direction. I think if they sign this guy and he doesn't work out, I don't see how the ownership of the Blue Jackets keeps Yarmo around to be the general manager either. I think, you know, he's had three pretty much failed head coaches, no playoff you know, runs except for like the one when they were the eighth seed and they swept Tampa somehow. But I just think that you can't, you can't keep him around. And, you know, with, with the two defensemen added, I think that was super helpful. Like I said, I, they basically were running minor league guys in their defense last year. So I think adding at least those two guys in there will help improve that defense those defense lines and then that should hopefully help out going forward but they're gonna have to do a lot more this offseason to to really convince me that they're ready to compete um but we'll see let us know what you guys think at home about babcock as as the head coach do some more research for yourself but like i said he's he's a guy that's known to be verbally abusive towards players you know maybe back 
when he first started coaching in the, you know, the eighties or the nineties, that, that was probably the standard and, and people were used to that now, but you know, with the newer generations that are coming up within sports, they don't really uh, buy into that anymore. So I think that's uh, something that he's either going to have to change or he'll be in and out pretty quick, but let us know your guys' opinions on that. Um, just a quick update on the crew and then we'll talk a little bit about fc cincinnati um if you guys haven't seen zelleron's midfield goal against chicago like two or three days ago go watch it freaking awesome um basically just chips it right over top of the the goalie from midfield that's a lesson to all you people who want to play soccer in the future if you're the goalie don't be too far forward because you'll get got by zelleron um, the other thing they're pretty, I think there's six on the table right now. So with eight wins, three draws and six losses. So definitely not crazy good, but I think in a better spot than what we thought they might've been with what they, you know, let go in the off season and didn't add. So we'll kind of have to see what this next transfer window looks like for them. Um, and you know who they are able to bring in and out and the identity of what this club is going to look like going forward with the new head coach. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about FC Cincinnati, Greg, and then come back to that question that I had for the crew um, after that. So with FC Cincinnati, if you guys haven't been watching the MLS this year, they are by far the best team in the MLS right now. I think they're sitting at 40 points. I don't even think the other you know, conferences even there's not even anybody even close to what their record is at this point. And when you kind of look at where they started in the USL in 2015 and then joining the MLS in 2018, I, I just think that they have made such a huge, a huge jump. Um, and I think you, there's a couple things that contribute to that. I think it's a, an ownership that's willing to spend money and take risks and, you know, I think they finally found their GM and Chris Albright and head coach and Pat Noonan. So for you, Greg, in, in your opinion, what have they really done in this short time to propel themselves, I guess, to this to this level of winning and, and kind of propel themselves to this standard that they want to meet? I mean, it all comes down to, I think, coaching, coaching culture. I, mean, I talk about it all the time. They they play with just so much more aggressively. Um, I I just the the fast pacedness of, of the play. Um, it's just it's super exciting to watch. Um, and I'm so happy for you know FC Cincinnati to be to be kind of becoming front runners when it comes to MLS. Um, and you know a, a place where people definitely would would want to come and play. Um, so I'm definitely excited for them uh, moving forward in the future. And I, I see some, some positive things uh, in the next couple of years coming out of Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, I just think that their, their willingness to spend money, I think over the past three years uh, from 2020 to now, you know, 2023, they've spent just about $30 million um, on, you know, transfers to come into the league. I think the most notable, um, they spent almost twelve million dollars on. I, he doesn't have a last name; but he just goes by Brenner, <laughs> um, from a Brazil team. And then, obviously, they're um, they spent three million on uh, Lucino Acosta, which is pretty much their their main dude right now, who's leading this team. Um, and I think that is 
that is just a, a, a big reason why they're in this position right now. And, you know, I think the, the crew have tried to do that uh, with the Cucho Hernandez signing. I think he was like $10 million transfer fee. So I just think that Cincinnati FC has deep pockets and they're willing to spend money. Even, even if they make a few mistakes, I think they brought in one guy for $4 million and then ended up, you know, uh, shipping him out for only $300,000 in the next off season. So obviously they haven't, you know, made perfect decisions all the time, but I do think that they have been willing to take risks. I guess my second question before I move on uh, to our double take segment to finish this episode is for the crew, like I said before, and you know, this is a team that has two MLS championships, you know, last being in 2020. They have their new stadium. You know, they have the new ownership. Should the crew be worried that Cincinnati FC is is kind of on this upward trajectory where they are already the best team in the league? Um, or are the crew just kind of in a position right now where they have a new head coach, they have a lot of young, lot of young guys, and they'll be right back up there with Cincinnati FC soon. I mean, why would you be worried? I'm, I mean, I'm, it, I mean, the question kind of leads itself and it's out. I mean, I talk about it on a couple of different levels, but like, uh, you know, when it comes to two um, Ohio teams being relatively, I don't, I don't want to say relatively dominant, but you know, you've got, um, you know, MLS championship in 2020 with, with the crew, you've got Cincinnati doing well. You, you can't be, mad about that and, and it's only going to you know drive more players to uh come and, and play uh for you know for each teams so i mean everything's cyclical there'll be times when cincinnati will drop down and and, and columbus will be back up and, and go back and forth and so uh, as of right now you said that uh, columbus is in sixth or so yeah they're six i think they're how many points back they're 13 points uh, behind Cincinnati right now, so so that's that's not that's not crazy, you know, low. It's it, and they're they're not necessarily exceeding the expectations that we put on them this year for Columbus. But I mean, that's our own expectations uh, when it comes down to it. Um, you know, they're they're playing decent. Um, you know, the the draws are, are what they are, um, and you know, at least those draws didn't turn to losses. Um, so you know, eight eight and six when it comes to a win loss record. Uh, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited for, for both teams. Uh, weirdly, you know, even being from Columbus, I'm just a little bit more excited about Cincinnati just because, uh, uh, again, when it comes down to it, and this is just my personal opinion, but I, I like the way that Cincinnati plays. Um, I think they play with a little bit more passion and a little bit more aggressiveness that uh, I, I like, and, and that's what I like to watch when I see the teams play. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it'd be good. You know, I, with uh, Cincinnati, they have you know a player out on loan from uh from Wolverhampton who plays in the Premier League. So, you know, you have to think the global scope that is now on Cincinnati, you know, football, and that kind of probably draws eyes to Columbus as well too. So that can be a international destination for maybe some players who aren't getting the opportunities overseas that might come here and give it a shot uh, within the MLS, especially with the money that flows through. And, you know, now that we've seen Messi is going to 
most likely joint inner Miami. So the MLS is becoming a league that's, um, you know, as it attracts older superstars from around the league, but it is, it is attracting the attention as of right now. So it'll definitely be interesting going forward. So, all right, that pretty much does it for the episode guys. Let us know how you feel about the crew Cincinnati FC, you know, anything else that we kind of talked about within this episode. Um, if there's something that we didn't hit on that you want us to talk about, let us know as well too. So that next episode we can kind of cover that. So uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into our double take segment. And Greg, I'll let you hit it off first. So uh, kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with, with this. And so what would you think if, if um, the Cincinnati changed their name to from Cincinnati Reds to the Cincinnati Pete Roses, or what if Los Angeles changed their name to the, um, Los Angeles, Mike Trouts or Trouts. Ooh, like the Trouts would be like cool. I I think it, you you wouldn't be able to do like the full name, but I think if you did like the Cincinnati Roses, like I think that would be a cool name, like the Los Angeles Trouts. Like if you were trying to dedicate it to a player, but I just don't think you could do the full name. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but it would be Trouts or the the you know Los Angeles Otanis. Or something like that. I mean, what what the logo even be with the Otani's? The know. Los Angeles Otani's. No, I don't no. even know. <laughs> Maybe the helmet with the that's actually pretty cool. You know, yeah, logo, the little samurai helmet thing going on. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so this is what I'm trying to to get to is that um, Cleveland just changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. Mm-hmm. How many other names have they gone by? Oh man, it's like so. There was the Indians, and then I know they went by the Spiders for a while. I I want to say, I want to say, I'm gonna say five. I feel like that's wrong, but I'm I'm gonna say five. All right, so five, yes, and I, I'm, I'm. It could be four, but it's it's five because I think that the Spiders were considered a National League team. I, 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 okay. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I thought I read somewhere yeah, that they yeah. went by the Cleveland spiders for a, a short period of time. So their original name was the uh, Cleveland blues. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then they changed their name uh, from t- 1903 to 1914. They were the Cleveland naps. The like, NAPS naps like take a nap or (laughs) so they were uh, named after their at the time all-star player and manager Napoleon LaJoy or L-A-J-O-I-E he was kind of one of baseball's first uh, superstars Um, so they were the Blues the Naps the Indians now the Guardians the Naps interesting (laughs) Yeah. From How does that 19- even go with his name? <laughs> what? <laughs> 1903 to 1914, and they were the Naps after their coach and star player, uh, Napoleon LaJoy. That's crazy. They I... cha- changed it to the Indians, and then obviously they changed it to the Guardians uh, last year. Yeah. I I was watching this video on – um because it was like talking about how baseball managers like wear uniforms and stuff like that and, and why they wear uniforms – and how, like, I forget at what time period, but they just didn't have enough money, like, teams to have a manager and players. So they would just, like, pay a player a little bit extra to be, like, the star player and the, the, the like, the manager 
at the same time. So that's why they wore uniforms because they played. And I thought that was like, I know that's probably like something that all baseball fans know, but that was just something interesting to me that like throughout this whole time, they've just kept that tradition of wearing uniforms and they haven't changed it, changed it up, which is just something you don't see in other sports. Like you're not seeing like, like, Bill Belichick's not wearing a football uniform like on the side of the field. Fantastic to watch. Put me in. <laughs> <laughs> Just see him like try to run the ball and get obliterated by Aaron Donald or something. Like, I don't know. That's definitely like a it's I think that's that's fun. I don't know. That'd be a fun like little thing to add to to sports or whatever. Like you have to wear a uniform and then you have to do at least one play one down or play one minute or something like that. So I don't know. Um, mine. So I was kind of, when I was kind of looking at all our topics and stuff and they all kind of had like a, a very, I felt like kind of almost like a, a similar theme to like success. Um, and I wanted to know like when each, I guess, professional sports team within Ohio and then I picked like Ohio State and Cincinnati football and then Ohio State men's and women's basketball when they all won their last national championship. So I have like a couple like fun, like little, uh, I guess, trivia questions for you, Greg. So I guess out of all of those teams that I mentioned, who do you think has like the longest championship drought? So out of like Ohio State university cincinnati university football ohio state men's and women's basketball and then all of our other professional sports teams within ohio uh i'm gonna say ohio state's women's basketball no they're only at 46 years and that's actually i think that's probably like top five most got another guess be the uh cincinnati football team they've never won a national championship and they've been around since 1888 <laughs> That's crazy. 136 years. Which which of our three major cities do you think has the longest championship drought? This one's probably pretty easy. Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Yep. 34 years uh, was the last time the Reds won a championship in 1990. I kind of rounded up a little bit. Um but yeah, like thirty, like 33, 34 years since the last time they won a national championship. But the, but uh, Columbus and Cleveland actually have. So they recently won one, obviously with the Crew, in twenty twenty, and then the Cavs won a championship in two thousand nineteen for Cleveland. But outside of that, you look at oh, I think it's Ohio State men's basketball hasn't won a championship in sixty four years. And then in 76 years, uh, the Guardians haven't won a championship since 1948. So definitely like crazy. Like women's basketball is 46 years. Uh, the Bengals are 54 years. They've never won one in their history. The Blue Jackets have never won one in their history. Um, like I said, Cincinnati football has never won one. So there's like lots of teams that it's been over 20 years. Um, where they've never won one in their history of the sport. So definitely like uh, an interesting drought that we are in a state. You know, the, the Cavs obviously had, you know, LeBron, the crew have been successful. But outside of those two professional teams and then Ohio State football, uh, who won the championship last in 2014, everybody's either never won one in their history or it's been 
over 30 years since they've won their last one. <laughs> so hopefully that changes. Obviously, like we talked about, you have the Bengals with Joe Burrow. The Browns are hoping they could put together a run this year. You know, I think even Ohio State football is hoping they could put together a run. The Blue Jackets are trying to put together a team. So it'll be interesting to kind of see over the next five years if one of these teams can can break that that cycle. Um, do you think there's a team that gets to 100 years like Cincinnati football in Ohio, or do you think somebody breaks it before they get to 100? No, I mean, I don't see Cincinnati winning anything in that span of time. So, yeah, easily 100. So you think, like, the because the Bengals are sitting at 54 years, the Browns are sitting at 60, and the Guardians are sitting at 76, and then men's Ohio State basketball is at 64. So those are kind of the closest ones. You think all four of those make it 100 years before winning a championship? No, no, no. Maybe I, 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 I didn't understand the question per se. Oh, okay, sorry. So, like, I think that Cincinnati will get to 100 years before winning, before they win a championship, but I don't see any of those other teams getting to 100 before they win. All right. Yeah, that'll be something. I mean, I don't know if we'll – I guess we'll still be alive for – a lot of those, if they make it to 100, <laughs> just be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 40 years in the future. We'll yeah, talk about it again in 40 years. <laughs> you might be like, oh, that's me pushing, you know, 85. That's that's upper, upper 80s. I don't know about hey, that. You'll, hey, you're going to make it. We're going to be doing this podcast till we're like 105. So, oh, okay. You're like, I remember back in my day. Welcome to another edition of. <laughs> This is the the 150th anniversary of right. this episode's going down, down hard right now. Oh no. All right, yeah, we're going to end it. Okay, uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. Like I said, if there's anything that we didn't talk about that you're mad about, let us know so that we can talk about it. Um we're always down to talk about different topics and uh kind of I guess try out our abilities in doing research. <laughs> so, let us know. But as always, I'm Nick. I was joined by Greg, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one. Thank you.